Banks. Backside, Ladero. Ladero, the back of the net. Coming to you live from the Elliott Avenue studios of Sports Radio 950 KJR. This is Sounders Weekly with your host, Jackson Feltz. Good evening and welcome to Sounders Weekly. For the next hour, you're going to get all Sounders FC talk here on Sports Radio 950 KJR every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. We have Sounders Weekly covering all sides of the Seattle Sounders football club. Tonight, the show's packed. Unfortunately, we are going to be talking about a loss just this last weekend to Real Salt Lake, the second in a row to Real Salt Lake after a couple weeks ago at Centrelink. They went down there to Utah and unfortunately fell 2-0, so we'll talk about that Matt Johnson, voice of the Seattle Center, is joining me in just a minute here on KJR. Uh, also on the show, we're going to be looking ahead to the week to come. Uh, that starts tomorrow, actually. The team is facing uh, Sacramento Republic. It's an USL squad. Uh, they are going to be part of the U.S. Open Cup, the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Sounders have a great history in the Open Cup. Many victories, many uh, pieces of hardware and trophies in the cupboard uh, from the U.S. Open Cup. So... Uh, the thing with that is that a lot of S2 guys, a lot of guys with the USL squad for the Sanders S2, which plays at Cheney Stadium in Tacoma, will be part of that match. You won't see as many first-team guys where if you go to CenturyLink Field and watch the Sounders first-team play, you may not, uh, you, you may be watching the game tomorrow on the, on SoundersFC.com, and you may not recognize a lot of the names. Well, they'll, they'll be factoring for S2 normally, so we're going to talk to Wade Weber. You hear him on the Sounders broadcasts. Uh, he's also an assistant coach with S2. I have him coming on on at about 7.25 this evening, going to give us some scouting reports on the guys you may hear from and, and you may see the names tomorrow following that uh, broadcast for the U.S. Open Cup. And then at the end of the show, I had a very good conversation uh, with Christian Roldan planned, so I'm, you're going to hear for that. We talk about uh, video games at the end of it. Uh, also, he has some really kind of blunt and frank thoughts uh, as part of this team right now and the state of the team and what's going on. So Christian Roldan, a great conversation with the guy who's been the sounder captain of late, uh, uh, with with Ozzy Alonso out, so hear that about 7:45, 7:50 here on the show. Before we bring on Matt Johnson, who's on hold, I have, I'm going to tell you guys about SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the official ticketing provider for Seattle Sounders FC. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. Also, Oberto, watch your Sounders FC take on the Portland Timbers in style. Enter for a chance to win a seat in the Oberto Suite on June 30th by visiting soundersfc.com slash Oberto Suite. Check both of those out. And now we welcome on the man who calls Sounders matches for 950KJR uh, and Sounders FC, Matt Johnson. Matt, thanks for joining me here tonight. Oh, absolutely, Jackson. I was going to say, I'll be talking to Wade Weber after you talk to Wade Weber to get some scouting report on possible players we see tomorrow because we might see some youngsters. Yeah, I think we are going to see some youngsters in, in that lineup who factor very prominently for S2 right now, so we'll hear all about those names. I, I have a bunch. I have a list right now for, for Wade here later. A big Sam Rogers, uh, David Olsen, Shannon Hopiow. So uh, I'm, I'm sure we, we share the same, amount of, same number of names, so you can just tune in and then talk to him afterwards on the guys we don't cover. <laughs> no, that, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, the big thing for, for Seattle is we have a home game after this. Yeah. And so, you know, you got to pick up points at home. So you have to split up the, the obviously the roster and the lineup uh, for a road U S open cup match, because you got to keep, you know, you got to keep trying uh, to get these uh, home points accumulating. So Matt, let's start exactly there before we unfortunately talk about RSL. Uh, 
listen, we know that there's going to be a lot of young guys from S2 that factor into this game, but what do you think from the first team? Do you, do you put a Henry Wingo, a, a Harry Ship, anybody from that first team who is normally a backup in there just to not only get them experience, but also get some minutes on their legs in case you need them going forward? This team has been rattled by so many injuries. Do you put anybody out there or is it, is it kind of a straight S2 squad like we saw a little bit of last no. year? No, I think I think what you started with. I, I think the guys that haven't seen the action, the the Alf, Tony Alfaro, Henry Wingo, yeah. Harry Ship, uh, those guys are going to see minutes. You know it. I mean, the guys you you can you can look at it and you know who's not going to make the trip. You know, just by I hate to say common sense because <laughs> MLS can throw you such curveballs. But Stephen Fry, Chad Marshall, Kim Tee, obviously Dempsey, Rodon, those guys, but the younger guys that are in need of minutes and, you know, in need of opportunity. Right. Harry Ship comes in and had an op- opportunity from Victor Rodriguez to either shoot. I think that was more of a pass to Nagel, but he told me after the game, he was excited about the open cup. I, I said, you know, in the post game locker room at, at RSL, you know, where do you go from here? And he said, well, for some of us, it's us open cup and it's another opportunity to play. So yeah, it's going to be sprinkled. I think uh, it's going to be a mixture of youth, and guys that we're used to on the 18. That'll be interesting to watch that mix and see how those guys fit in there. Obviously, they train together, but to see them all in action together will be an interesting mix. Uh, Matt, you talked about the the post-game reactions there after RSL. Uh, I mean, the the basic question is, what do you make of what's going on right now? Not a shot on goal for this team. The attack is still the big question mark. Will Bruin was back in the lineup and Clint Dempsey back in the midfield, but where did you see this team go wrong offensively? Well, I think, um, you know, I let, that's, that's a great question to ask Wade Weber because for me, the, the tough part is, is now getting shut out, now you're down to three or four chances. That home game versus RSL, if you go back and uh, watch the first half, New Who's got a chance, Christian Roldan's got a chance, Magnus Eichrim has got a chance, and those are all three goal-scoring opportunities. This last week at RSL, there was only a couple chances throughout the whole game. Uh, Will Bruin gutted it out. I don't know if you're going to see him versus D.C. He might not be back until, well, maybe New York, but it might be after the break to Chicago. Um, You know, they've got to keep grinding it away. They had, you know, before the RSL home match, they talked about how good the training sessions were, and it didn't translate. And that's what I asked a couple guys, including Coach Schmetzer. He said, they basically said, well, what do you want from us? It's not translating from the training fit, the training pitch to the games and it's for uh, for all of them it's not lack of effort it is just it's not going their way right now is it just one is it just victor rodriguez just kind of sparks something victor to bruin to dempsey and and off they go i don't know i i don't know that the the devastating amount of the injuries and the epitome of it with with Magnus Eichram being stepped on again at, at training, he's got a contusion on his foot. Hanwala Bawana, uh, Buana, that, that he gets hurt. I mean, it's just a freakish sort of year of injuries. Coaches are never going to use that excuse, but they're going down the depth chart in an amazing fashion. I mean, it's like nothing we've seen before, you know. And if you're Garth Lagerwey, you just have to be kind of shaking your head at at. Oh, come on now! I mean, his he had a 
obviously a whole plan going into this season with Jordan Morris and Will Bruin and probably Clint Dempsey is the third option at forward. And now, you know, now with what you're looking at, this is, this is unforeseen. It's hard to plan for these things in a role of a general manager. Thankfully, this team gets Victor Rodriguez back in the attack. You know, he played, you know, the short amount of time against RSL on the road and may factor in to hopefully factor into to DC this next weekend. How much of a boost is he out on the wing? Oh, I think it's it's huge, but he needs a supporting cast. Yeah. You know, he, he needs a supporting cast. Obviously, he'll be there. Ozzy's getting closer. You, you know, the freakish part about it is you're going to get you're, you're going to get Ramon Gustav, uh, obviously Nico, uh, Victor Rodriguez, guys are going to come back healthy and all of a sudden, you know, come July 1st, you know, depending on what Garth and Chris Henderson pull in through a DP player and another TAM player or two, all of a sudden you're looking great. It just seems so meek right now and, and meager, I should say, uh, because of the goal scoring. The goal scoring is unbelievable. This has never happened. This is the 10th year of the club and this has never been an issue, you know, and it, and if you, you mentioned it, it's Jordan Morris, in El Salvador going down. I mean, those things aren't really what you plan for, but here they are, Brian Schmitzer. Uh, you know, Brian Schmitzer's just going to grind away. So is Preki. I talked to Preki at, at training today, and they're just going to grind away and, and look for results. The crazy thing is, Jackson, is D.C. United, though they're last in the East, they're actually playing decent. They had a road win at San Jose. They got a point at LAFC. They had a week off last week, and... uh you know, they're coming in with a bit of form, which is, you know, brutal timing, obviously, for Seattle. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned you're out there at, at training. Uh, what have you seen from Ozzy Alonzo? We know he's he's working his way back. What have, what have you seen? What has Coach Smetra said? Yeah, he's back in the mix. He's back on the field. He's, as you and I both witness at training, you go on the side when you're rehabbing and you're trying to get back in. And right. now he's back in the mix. He's not training with the starters, and I don't mean the starters that we're probably going to play for uh, the match tomorrow. But, you know, I'm sure that if it's not D.C., it's at New York the following week to get him more minutes. I mean, it's just so vital in the more, in the middle. I don't need to explain his value to the club. But you got to get him in there, and that pushes either rolled on up and he can hold with the limb or, or what have you. But you got to start getting some of these healthy bodies back in, in Ozzy and Magnus. Yeah, it'll be huge when he comes back. And then another guy coming back, uh, not from injury, but from uh, the pre- preliminary World's World Cup roster, Nicolas Lodero, you mentioned. He did not make Uruguay's 23-man World Cup roster in case you missed it. Uh, so we heard from Brian Schmetzer. He joined uh, Dave Softy-Mahler on our station just a couple hours ago, uh, said that they're working hard, uh, the front office is working hard on logistics uh, to, to get him back for this weekend, if not for D.C., then for the New York Red Bull match on June 13th. So that's very very good news. Matt, do you think that he is kind of the key cog in all of this making sense in the attack? Finally, kind of, you know, we, we use the term from Brian Schmetzer that he's used for a few weeks now, which is get the train moving. Is, is Nico the thing that gets the train moving? Well, I think, I don't want to say obviously, but I think he is the key cog. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's the main man. You, you, you put Nico in the middle driving the car and all of a sudden everyone else has got a little skip in their step, right? I mean, Roldan doesn't have as much pressure on his shoulders. Ozzy can sit and hold. Uh, Magnus comes back and he's getting balls either fed to him 
over the top or through the middle. Uh, Dempsey's going to be more happy with Nico right there next to him. You know, I hope uh, Will can come back from, from uh, I don't know if there was a setback, but I know he just was a trooper and went as far as he could at RSL. But, yeah, absolutely, Nico, uh, Nico coming back is massive. Now, a lot of people, I, I don't know, I, I shouldn't say a lot of people. I don't read the blogs and I don't follow what everyone gets emotional about, but, but Nico not being um, added to the Uruguayan uh, national roster in the World Cup roster is massive for the guy. I mean, it's a massive letdown. It's not just like, it's not like not getting a job or, boy, I really wanted that job and it went to somebody else. The World Cup's the biggest thing for soccer players. And this might I mean, be the, the last chance he big. gets to play in it. Oh, well, I think that's, I think that's a given. I think this, yeah. is, this is his last, last opportunity. So, um, you know, they're working on getting him back, and he's, he's down. I believe he's still down. I don't know where he's at currently, but you know what I'm saying. It's, just, it's not that, hey, I didn't make the squad, and I just get on a plane and come back. He'll be back soon enough, and he's going to be a massive addition for the club. Matt, with the guys getting back, Victor, Nico soon as well, uh, and then the other guys getting healthy and whatnot, Ozzy soon, do you think that we're about to see a lot more lineup consistency, whether that's the 4-2-3-1 or whether Schmetzer decides to go back to the, you know, when, when, when Gustav Svensson or Roman Torres come back, they could switch back to a kind of a three-center-back thing with the 5-4-1. Do you think that we start to see more lineup consistency, and, and what may that be? Well, if... I'll tell you, this, this squad has been so jinxed with injuries that you hope that when these guys get back healthy, that the guys that have been healthy stay healthy. <laughs> That's a good right? point. I mean, yeah, yeah I don't I, – I, you know, Marshall's been in there all, all the time. Uh, I know Kim Kihi took some stitches, but you hope that the guys that have been healthy, Christian Roldan, things like that, stay healthy. So uh, I, I won't tell you who said this to me today, but someone said, Matt, don't worry about the formations. Don't worry about the formations. We're worried about scoring goals and so on and so forth as I was watching practice today and yesterday. It's more about, yeah, getting your core guys. I, I mean, getting your core guys back. Mm-hmm. And so you can name the lineup day in and day out, and you would go back to a four-two-three-one because that's what Brian Schmetzer switched by. And if you have your number ones, well, then you're going to trek right through the West all over again. You just hope right now with seven goals scored, it's not getting too late. And then on top of that, you have guys like designated players and, and a new TAM player or two coming in in July to add to that system that fits in in, in the right piece of the puzzle to make it all work out. I, I mean, I'm with you in the sense of, you know, no matter that this team is 2-7-2 is two, and two right now, it, it's sort of you, you see the pieces coming together and you see what is, is likely to come this summer with those signings, and it, it all kind of adds up to... It's hard to deny that this team is going to make another run with everything that's coming together, as long as, as you mentioned, as long as they can stay healthy. Yeah, if you can still stay healthy. I think you got to trust Chris and Garth that whoever they might add, you know, whether if, you know, if it's a DP and another cam guy, they're going to fit in because they know they have soccer intelligence right. and, and, you know, the soccer language, they'll, they'll work together. It will work out, especially if guys stay healthy and, uh, and they get on the training pitch together. It's just amazing that if you look at the list of injuries uh, right now, as we sit for, you know, the Tuesday before a league game on Saturday, you know, yeah, sure. If you get healthy, you're going to be 15, 16 deep. That's just not the case. Mm-hmm. How long can you wait? How long, you know, games in hand, Casey always says this, Casey Keller always says this, games in hand are only good if you win them. 
And so you've got a couple of games in hand on uh, the teams above you, but those games, you've got to start accumulating three points, and it's got to start at home. And it's got to start Saturday. D.C. United, 7 p.m. on Saturday night. You're on the call, and we'll, we'll start pregame at 6.30, and I'll throw to you for a 7 p.m. kickoff. It should be a fun one here at CenturyLink Field. No, it should be. Looking forward to it. Yeah, 7 o'clock, bring it on, and let's see if we can get three points at home. Matt Johnson, Sounders broadcaster here on KJR. Thanks for joining me here today on Sounders Weekly. Absolutely, Jackson. Thanks for having me. Great stuff from Matt Johnson. Always happy to have him on Sounders Weekly. Great intelligence. He knows this team as well as anybody. Great insight there, especially from, from training. Interesting that he said, doesn't matter what the lineup is. Uh, it just matters about scoring goals. Don't know who said that, but uh, it makes you wonder about what kind of a lineup that they will throw out, throw out here in the coming weeks. So we'll watch uh, as players get healthy, as Victor reemerges in that starting 11, as Ozzie gets back. Uh, Brian Schmetzer, in fact, I had it written down here in my notes, said earlier today with Dave Softy Muller that he hopes that Ozzy would be available uh, and involved in some way this weekend against DC, uh, if not certainly for New York Red Bull the week after. So that is a huge boost if you can get Ozzy Alonso back in there. Uh, if he can play there in the holding midfielder section, do you hold Christian with him? Do you put Christian at the 10 where we've seen Roldan have great success uh, last season and earlier this season as well? So it, it just generally allows... Uh, Brian Schmetzer have a lot more versatility in his lineup, so that'll be interesting to see what he does with the lineups and the formations there going forward. Uh, before we take a break, uh, before we we heard from Wade Weber, uh, S two assistant coach, um, he's going to be joining me about uh, just about ten minutes away here, uh, and then Christian Roldan coming up. Uh, I just mentioned Christian Roldan coming up later in the show about seven forty five. You're going to hear my interview with him. Uh, I wanted to talk about an article that was written uh, earlier today. It was just published by Paul Tenorio. He writes for The Athletic, and I can't say enough great things about The Athletic. Uh, the Athletic Seattle, uh, their soccer coverage is exceptional. Matt Pence does a great job. Uh, Paul Tenorio is a soccer writer. He put out an article today that talked about the league MLS denying TAM contracts. Now, TAM is a term we've used a number of times here. I uh, just used it in the Matt Johnson interview, targeted allocation money. So that is a certain type of money between 500000 to $1.5 million that uh, go to players and contracts. So basically how it works is there's different types of contracts in MLS uh, in soccer, and TAM is one of them. So you can bring in a, you have a certain amount of TAM budget. It used to be $1.2 million. MLS bumped that up to $4 million this year. They bumped it up by $2.8 million. So they just through a whole bunch of or allowed teams to have a lot larger of a budget to go out and get TAM players, which are more expensive players, better players, higher quality. Because the league has consistently said that they want to have the top quality players available and playing in MLS. So it's interesting that this art, what this article points out from Paul Tenorio, and you can go read it uh, at, at, at The Athletic, uh, at Paul Tenorio is on Twitter. So he wrote this. Uh, the league office has taken a very active role in approving and denying all new TAM contracts, effectively controlling how teams spend the money. He goes on to say, the issue most acutely affects teams that are trying to re-sign players within the, within the league to TAM contracts. Several teams have had player contracts denied by the league office, multiple general managers confirmed, forcing them all to alter their plans. 
Uh, the by the way, the general managers uh, were remained nameless. They had anonym, anonymity, so we do not know who they were. Uh, continuing on here, uh, Paul Tenorio writes: Players who have been turned down for TAM contracts include Seattle Sounders goalkeeper Stefan Fry and former Sounders left back Jovan Jones. Now, Jovan Jones left for the second league in Germany uh, recently uh, after last season. So. What we are able to read into this is that the Seattle Sounders had offered and seemingly potentially, we don't know, have had a deal in place with Jovan Jones for, for TAM value for between 500000 to $1.5 million, and the league office, MLS, denied that contract. So that's very interesting. Uh, obviously, it has a whole bunch of ramifications for this league if the league is denying players' contracts. I mean, think of that for, uh, I tweeted this out earlier at Jackson KJR. Think of this like baseball or football. If you were to draft, sign, or trade for a young player, and in the first two years, uh, first couple of years of that of that young player's career, he does great, and then you want to sign the young player to another deal because you want to sign him to a long-term deal for more money because he earned it. He's a very good player. And then the league office didn't allow you to make that signing. They didn't allow you to keep that young player. And in the case of Jovan Jones, he leaves the country. He, he goes to Germany because that league was able to pay him. And the MLS did not allow the Sounders to make that signing for, for Jovan Jones. It, it, there's a bunch of ramifications. It happened in other places. Tim Parker with Vancouver. Uh, and then Parker was then traded to the New York Red Bulls. Uh, there's a couple other cases as well. Uh, I think I read Walker Zimmerman was, in, was listed in there as well. And, and there's a whole bunch of ramifications if the MLS is not allowing teams to re-sign their talented young players under TAM funds. Uh, listen, I, my quick two takeaways are this. One, MLS shouldn't be telling general managers how to do their job. They shouldn't be saying, you can't do this, you can't do that. Second, MLS shouldn't be evaluating players and telling the teams how good their players are, which is kind of essentially what their defense was. Um, uh, Todd Durbin, MLS Executive Vice President of Competition and Player Relations, said the league would reevaluate its parameters if felt over time they frustrate the goal of TAM, because their goal is to get the best quality players playing in MLS for MLS squads. Uh, obviously, listen, Jovan Jones was an outstanding player. We all saw that last year with the Seattle Sounders. And if the Sounders don't have Jovan Jomans right now, if he's in Germany because of something the league did to block that. Um, and listen, we don't know all of the details. This article was just released today. But if the league did something to get in the way of the Sounders keeping Jovan Jones long term under under TAM funds, then that's a big issue. All right, so that is something that we'll t hopefully, I hope to talk to Garth Logaway about that next week. Uh, it, it, it's a story that will no doubt evolve. It will keep, uh, we'll, we'll keep on it and, and see what continues to develop, see what the league says about that. But that is certainly an issue uh, with this sport if the league is not letting teams sign young players to, to TAM deals. All right, still a lot to get to tonight on Sounders Weekly. Wade Weber, S2 assistant coach. Uh, he's also one of the Sounder broadcasters here on 950KGR, pregame, postgame, halftime. You'll hear him on some of the games as well. He's going to join me next, also here later in the show, from Christian Roldan, Sounders midfielder. That's all coming up next on Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC, Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Welcome back to Sounders Weekly. You're listening to the new home of the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Hey, before we hit Wade Weber, S2 assistant coach and Sounders broadcaster, here on 950KJR, wanted to let you know about SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the official ticketing provider for Seattle Sounders FC. SeatGeek, life's an event, we have the tickets. Also, Oberto, 
Watch your Sounders FC take on the Portland Timbers in style. Enter for a chance to win a seat in the Alberto Suite on June 30th by visiting soundersfc.com slash Alberto Suite. So the Seattle Sounders play on Saturday against DC United. That's 7 p.m. kickoff. They also play tomorrow in an Open Cup match, the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. That's going to take place down in Sacramento against Sacramento Republic. Uh, the lineup should be a little bit different, uh, a bit a bit different uh, to say the least, from what you normally see with the first team. Here to talk with us about that team and players we may see, Wade Weber. Uh, Wade, thanks for joining me here tonight on Sounders Weekly. Hey, Jackson, it's my pleasure being uh, being introed with some Jackson Five as well. Uh, that's to say, I'm not the fifth guest this evening though, which would have been perfect. It, it absolutely would have, of course. Uh, Wade, let's uh, let's get right to it, man. Uh, this is this is going to be a lineup tomorrow for the Seattle Sounders that may feature feature a lot of the guys that you coached there at S two. I want to start off by a guy who was with S two, now with the first team, uh, signed a couple weeks ago, Felix Schenkem. Uh If you talk a little bit about about how, who he is as a player and uh, your thoughts on the move to that first team, yeah, it's it's deserved. I think you know. Uh, Tenky, as we like to call him, uh, <laughs> Felix is a is a classic nine, a big, strong guy. Not not big in height, but physically strong. Uh, holds the ball up ex- uh, exceptionally well. Has four goals on the season for S two, um, and he's missed a couple games as well, not through injury, just through squad rotation. So you know his goal return rate is about a goal every other game. Uh, but the mm-hmm. thing that is most impressive is that he gets opportunities in every game. Uh, his efficiency in finishing isn't isn't great. Um, not certainly where he wants it to be or he needs it to be uh, to like stick long term in MLS. But you know the funny thing is nobody really knows how, how he'll do uh, un- until he gets the opportunity. So he hasn't right. played yet since he's signed, and um, I'm excited to see him. He's he'll link play well. Um, he'll get on the end of things in the box, and he's uh, he, he gets opportunities in every game he plays. All right, let's let's go from Chenkum then to the defensive end. Uh, Big Sam Rogers, 6'3", 19 years old. Uh, he's been called by many the, you know, a future center back for the first team. What does he provide, and what do you think his ceiling is going forward here with with not only S two but also with the first team in the future? Yeah, the, the, um, Sam has has maybe the highest ceiling of anybody in the um, in in the S two. Uh, camp. Uh, he will not be featuring, I don't think, tomorrow. He's okay. dealing with an illness, but um, so he certainly has attracted the attention of the national team. There's a strong likelihood he'll be um, in contention for a spot on the U20 World Cup roster next year. Uh, he's recently played a few games at center back for the U.S. national team in his age group. Um, is uh, super technical, and you know the, the knock, and the, Sam will be tired of hearing this, but the knock on Sam is that He's not tough enough. He's not tough enough, and that um, he needs to get stuck in and win his tackles and win his headers. And what that ignores is the fact that the modern game uh, doesn't require center backs to be as I don't want to say brutish, but you know the, the physicality that used to exist um, that's, that, that doesn't exist in Chad Marshall's play. He doesn't go flying around into tackles. Right. He's, a, he's, a, he's intelligent. He knows how to intercept the ball. He, he intervenes more than he destroys. Um, if if I can if I can yeah. claim a difference between those two, uh, he wins the ball without destroying his opponent, and he's he's very very good in the air as well. But Chad's primary asset is his technique, in my opinion, and that's the same with Sam Rogers. Big ceiling, and we're hoping you know uh, in the not too distant future he's getting first team minutes as well. 
Wade, let's shift up to the midfield here. A couple names I want to key on right now. Ray Sari and Francisco Narbonne. I was at the game against Portland in the Open Cup last year that happened at Starfire, and Narbonne really impressed me with what he's able to do. Can you talk a little bit about about those guys? Yeah, they're 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 an interesting tandem. They're uh, they're combatives. They're uh, uh, kind of your classic six in the Del Debt. They're always around the ball. They always want the ball. They're not afraid of getting it under pressure and. Uh, they usually know uh, the escape route, you know, uh, uh, the, 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 the direction they, they need to take their first touch in order to be able to um, find a bit of space in, in midfield. Ray uh, probably would play a little higher up the field, more of a, what we call an eight, more box-to-box. And then Francisco or Tito, as he's known to his <laughs> friends, um, is, uh, is more your holder, true holder. Uh, the thing about Tito is that he was red-carded in the in – in the San Jose game last year that the Sounders lost on the road in the open cup. So he is actually, um, he is suspended because oh. those suspensions carry over. Ah, he is suspended for the game tomorrow night. Um, so he would not be available for selection. Ray, uh, uh, it, I'm not going to say will likely feature cause I don't want to tip anything away, but you know, he's a versatile midfielder that has experience playing against Sacramento, so it would make sense that he's at least in the calculations for the game tomorrow. All right, let's go then high again and look back at the forward. We talked about Felix Chenkum and a couple other forwards factoring for us, too. David Olsen, what you've seen from him this so far this season, and then Shannon Hopiao as well. I mentioned him earlier in the show. Yeah, um, Olsen is, uh, you know, he's sort of S2's Clint Dempsey in the, in the, in the sense that he's Capable of doing things that that others at, at the USL level just aren't. Um, sees passes, uh, you know, one touch finishes with all surfaces. He can do the brilliant, and what he has to do is become more consistent um, and then understand uh, the the importance of the defensive grind. You know, you don't. Um, I mean, you can score your way to a first team contract, but it's really hard to sort of. Uh, almost your way to a first team contract, if that makes sense. That, yeah. that you've got to be scoring the goals or creating the goals, but um, creating oohs and ahs in the crowd um, because you can do the technical things is, is probably not enough. And so David knows that and he's working hard on that. Shandon, the flying Hawaiian, uh, Shandon Hopeau, is um, a, he's a silky smooth dribbler, uh, deceptively fast, uh, and you know can score magnificent goals. You can him online some of the goals he scored um for the sounders academy last year and then scored a wonderful goal and that might have been the last or second to last s2 game last season um so he's got these great goals in his in his bag of tricks but you know really for him it's also about consistency and um can he can he become a goal every other game like chenkum is uh, and one other name i want to throw out there is nick hines yeah uh, nick hines left left footed exceptionally fast uh, the question is, long-term, will he be a left wing or a left back? Um, he's got both of those uh, in his in his uh, experience. Um, and we're playing him a lot at wing, um, but I know the first team are interested in, uh, and, and, and might be looking at him as someone who can provide the pace to get behind. The thing that they've lacked since Jordan Morris has been out, um, Nick yeah. Hines is just about the fastest player. Well, he is the fastest player on our team. You know, I would I would argue that he's he's right up there with Jordan Morris in terms of overall speed, and he's left footed, so he adds that other dimension that you could invert him and have him cut in or play him truly as a wing, and he'll get behind the defender. I guarantee you that it's uh, it's about if anybody else can keep up with him, 
So when he does serve the ball, there's someone to finish. Wade Weber is my guest, S2 assistant coach, also broadcaster here on 950 KJR for Sounders matches. Uh, Wade, give me 30 seconds on Rodriguez LA because I, I saw him also in that Portland match in the, in the uh, U.S. Open Cup last year. Also impressed by him. Uh, what does he provide? Yeah, uh, Ellie is the big man. He's um, Cameroonian. Uh, he has the deepest voice. This has nothing to do with the game, Jackson. My apologies. But I could listen to him read recipes, and it is so deep. Uh, it, 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 it sounds like a musical instrument. Perfect voice for almost, radio. But, oh, I'm telling you. Uh, but, but what he does bring is um, really a, a commitment to doing anything to win. He, is, he can be hard. In fact, sometimes he can stop this year. He does cross that line in terms of toughness, but also developing a composure on the ball. And you know, anyone that's had the, that's crossed the world halfway over to pursue their trade um, is in it. You know, it's, it, it, there is no Plan B for Ellie. So he he, uh, he soaks everything up. Um, he's an eager learner and and simply wants to get better so that he can continue to pursue this dream of playing at the highest level possible. So. I, you know, I think that you've got um, someone there that's um, that's got the long-term potential, but but in the immediate sense, right now the Sounders need him to shut down Dillian Bijev and a couple of the other players on that Sacramento roster. Great, awesome stuff, Wade. Uh, appreciate all of your scouting reports on all of that. They they should factor in, except for Narbonne. They they should factor in in some way here tomorrow in the U.S. Open Cup. So we watch them for those. Am I seeing correctly that the next S2 home match is this Sunday at 1:30 against OKC? That is correct, Oklahoma City. Comes well, to okay, this is this is pretty clear then. It, it, especially them being from Oklahoma City, you're expected to d- destroy them and and show no mercy because anything Oklahoma City needs to on, lose here. On behalf of the Sonics, we will do our best to make sure we get three points and send them home. Uh, uh, covered in shame. <laughs> you hear that, folks? That's a promise. S2 is going to beat OKC. Vengeance finally done. Uh, no, but uh, Wade, uh, good luck on Sunday, and and we'll see you soon. Thanks so much for, for the scouting reports here on S2, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. You bet. See you, Jackson. Great stuff there from Wade Weber, S2 assistant coach, also on the Sounder broadcast. Yeah, a lot of those guys. So the Flying Hawaiian, we have him. We have uh, Shannon Hopia. We have Francisco Narbonne, known as Tito. Uh, I was very impressed with what I saw with him last year in the U.S. Open Cup. So hopefully the uh, Sounders can get through this round of the Open Cup, and then they, when they move on, he'll factor in there. The Open Cup's the sort of thing where if you make it to the semifinal, the final, that's when guys may start factoring it. Like first-team guys, like a you know Christian Roldan, uh, you know Clay, he, Wade Weber used the names Chad Marshall, uh, Kim Kihi as well. That's when you may see those type of guys playing in the Open Cup matches when they get into the semifinal, final rounds of the U.S. Open Cup. That's usually how it is. Uh, but if they get there, that's when they'll play, and that's when the Seattle Sounders will throw their you know big bodies and the big names right there at those opponents there in later Open Cup to try to go win themselves another title. But it starts with Sacramento Republic. That's tomorrow. You can watch the stream, soundersfc.com, uh, and then the broadcast for the next game here on KJR. It's going to be Saturday at 7 o'clock. All right, coming up next here on Sounders Weekly, Christian Roldan, Sounders midfielder. Hear my interview with him next. You're listening to the home of the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC, Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Welcome back to Sounders Weekly. You're listening to the new home of the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Jackson Feltz back here. One more segment here tonight on Sounders Weekly. And joining me for it here tonight is Sounders midfielder Christian Roldan. Christian, thanks for joining me here today. 
Thanks for having me, Jackson. Christian, I want to start tonight by talking about the loss in RSL, 2-0 the final score there. After the match, you gave an interview, talked about how it was disappointing, lackluster. You said just felt like there wasn't a sense of bite within the team. Also said that the team was uh, afraid to make a mistake. I want to dive into that quote specifically. What do you mean by afraid to make a mistake? What are you seeing? You play box-to-box. You see both sides of the field. What are you specifically seeing out of the team right now that led to those comments? Yeah, I feel like we haven't been creative this year. We haven't uh, found that final pass, that final shot uh, on frame. Um, and and as a, a lack of all those things, we haven't scored. Uh, and sometimes we are too um, passive in, in that sense. Uh, we, we are afraid to, to take risks and make a mistake in the final third and um, you know, we're just content with with uh, keeping possession of the ball, and unfortunately, uh, if you don't do, if you don't take those risks, you, you know, you're never going to score. Uh, we're we're being a little too predictable at the moment, and um, you know that as a result, we 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 didn't score any goals. But to be honest, it was only a one zero loss. You know, we we right. got scored on at the end um, because we were pushing guys forward, and, and Steph went up to to try to score a goal. Okay, so where does that start exactly in terms of developing that creativity, taking risks? Does that start in practice? Does that start with somebody stepping up on the field? Where does that come in? I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, obviously we're we're missing a lot of guys um, that that create that type of environment. Um, you know, and, and guys that are capable of, capable of doing those things. Um, but uh, in training, we we focus on 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 things like that being sharp in our first touches and and all our passes so uh in training yeah definitely but during the game uh maybe we feel a little too much pressure but we have to be able to do that in a game um it's it's not just about practice it's about implementing it into our into our game and and taking chances going forward you talk about guys coming back. Another big name coming back to this team in the attacking role is Nico Ladero, who didn't make Uruguay's 23-man World Cup team. How much of a boost will it be to have him once he gets back into form with the club? Yeah, well, I, I think Nico is is the heart of our team. He covers ground for us. He he keeps possession so well for us. And like I said, we we miss those those type of players that are are willing to take risks and. Nico is a risk taker. He he has so many assists um, throughout his career here, and and you know we're we're happy to have him back. Unfortunately, he missed the the World Cup with Uruguay, but um, you know I think he'll he'll uh, forget about it and, and distracted by by all the games coming up, and hopefully he can uh, be a huge huge impact on our team uh, going forward. Sounders midfielder Christian Roldan joining me here on Sounders Weekly. Christian, the team facing Sacramento Republic in the Open Cup on Wednesday. You played against them in February to close out the 2018 preseason. What do you remember about them, and what sort of team are the Sounders preparing to face tomorrow in the Open Cup? Well, they're a good passing team. Uh, They keep possession fairly well, uh, and their environment is is pretty difficult. I would say it's one of the best uh, USL sides uh, you'll see um, throughout the United States. They are a complete team, and it'll be diff- it'll be a difficult game, uh, especially on the road uh, at a hostile environment. They they collect a lot of a lot of fans uh, for games, and and uh, you know I, I expect a, a strong side that we play against. Um, you know, for us, it's about winning the game, 
not getting any any injuries and and hopefully uh playing well so hopefully uh we can use that as momentum going into our DC game this weekend um and and uh feel like we can change the season around yeah, Sounders, D.C. United playing Saturday at 7 p.m. We'll have that match right here for you on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Christian, we're going to look forward to seeing you play on Saturday against D.C. and even more so now with the news that you made the decision to stay in Seattle rather than to join up with the U.S. Men's National Team for Friendlies. Take us through that decision. What was behind it and what was the process in making that decision? Um, talking to the coaching, both coaches, I guess, from the Sounders, Schmetzer and Dave Sarkeesian from the U.S. national team, um, just because I, I understood where we we were at as a club, uh, I understood the year hasn't been the best. Uh, so, and especially with all the injuries going on, I felt like I was destined to, to stay here. Uh, so Schmetzer pulled me aside, asked me my thoughts, and I told him I, I expected to stay. Um, you know, and and he ha- he had spoken with Dave and. We all came to an agreement that that it'd be best if if uh, you know I helped the te- the team out here with the Sounders and uh, keep another keep another guy on the field because uh, with all the injuries going on, uh, it would it would have been difficult to to put out a lineup um, you know without without all our big guys. Right, Christian. I think for many guys, the internal battle of club versus country kind of wages on, and I think for a lot of guys, it is country over club. So how do you measure those? Being a player. A, for a city where you have the connection through the University of Washington where you went to college, and then also having your brother play for the squad. What's that kind of internal measuring stick like for you when you measure what's the value of club versus country? Well, at the end of the day, the Sounders are my employer, right? <laughs> um, you know, yeah. if you want to look at it as a business standpoint, you know, having you work for another radio station uh, while, you know, KJR is paying you, it's... it's uh, <laughs> really interesting dynamic because uh not a lot of other sports have this right. um you know time where they miss a couple games because of the national team and for myself individually it may have been better if i went with the national team i got a couple games in um you know i i showcased my my talents with the national team coach uh but at the same time you got to weigh uh what's at stake i want to do what's best for for myself at the at the end of the day uh, but I also understand where we are as a club. Uh, so I have to, you know, make sure that I'm doing everything possible for my club first. Uh, and then I'll get rewarded long-term with the national team. So that's kind of my viewpoint. Um, but it is an interesting dynamic because not a lot of sports have that type of, uh, you know, national team versus club uh, conversation. Yeah, exactly. Christian Oldon, Sounders midfielder, my guest here on Sounders Weekly. Christian, we've already done the usual rapid-fire questions to end these interviews, so I'm not going to do that to you again. I do want to dig into one thing that we talked about at the end of Rapid Fire last time, and that's had a couple articles written about it, and that's this craze over Fortnite. Uh, there's been a whole <laughs> bunch of hoopla over it right now. So I wanted to ask you, okay, first off, What's funny is I'm a 26-year-old millennial, and I kind of feel ashamed having to ask this, but A, what is Fortnite? And B, why is there such a craze right now in the Sounder locker room for it, and how many guys are a part of this? Fortnite is an interesting game. I would say there's nothing really like it. <laughs> uh, you, it's, it's almost like the hun- Hunger Games where you get dropped off on the island, have to collect resources, uh, guns, um, 
and you're playing 99 versus 99. So it's a free for all. It's a battle royale. <laughs> Whoever wins, uh, you know, gets you know the the luxury of saying I I beat 99 players. So at the end of the day, you have to you know find guns, eliminate eliminate players. But the beauty of it is that you're able to be in any fight. You you have a chance in any fight as long as you can build. Uh, you, you build walls to protect yourself, um, and and you can ramp up. You try to get high ground over over your your opponents. Um, but there's about five or six of us that play, um, and you're able to play squads, uh, basically a team of four, mm-hmm. and it's just a lot of fun. You know, you, it gets your mind off soccer. You know, we all we all have lives outside of soccer, and, and I don't think people understand that. Um, but it, it gives us perspective on on you know having a good time and enjoying you know our friendship off the field as well. All right, so how many wins do you have in these battle royales, both you individually and as a team? Uh, I believe I have like twenty five wins, it's just me, oh. and then a duo maybe ten to fifteen, and then as a squad I have the most because I play that the most. I would probably say thirty or uh, thirty or so. Nice, great stuff, Christian. Thanks so much for joining me here today on Sounders Weekly, and look forward to seeing you on Saturday night. Thanks for having me, Jackson. Good to hear from you. Christian Roldan, Sounders midfielder. Great to have him on Sounders Weekly. Always enjoy our chats and his frankness and bluntness on various topics going on with the team. If you missed any of that interview, the start of it, check out the podcast on SportsRadioKGR.com. Check out the entire show on SportsRadioKGR.com. Check him out on the Sounders Weekly On Demand page and Sounders Under Teams and more. It's all there for your enjoyment. We do post-game recaps as well. Uh, and that will do it for Sounders Weekly tonight. Thank you to Christian Roldan for joining the show. Thanks to Matt Johnson at the start of the show, and then also Wade Weber, S2 assistant coach and broadcaster here on Sports Radio 950 KJR's Sounders broadcast. Check out the next match, Saturday, DC United coming here to CenturyLink Field to face the Seattle Sounders. Kickoff at 7 p.m. on Saturday evening pregame. We'll start with myself around 6.30 before we throw it to Matt Johnson for kickoff at 7. So make sure to tune in on Saturday. Sounders facing Sacramento Republic tomorrow in the U.S. Open Cup. You can watch the stream of that on soundersfc.com. Make sure you listen on Saturday against D.C. United. We'll talk to you then.